going to let you know a few details uh, at the end of the service about what we've got planned here, so, so watch this space. But, but it's such a privilege to have Pastor Mike DeVita with us today from our Whangarei campus, and daughter Rosie is out there somewhere helping or ministering in the kids' programs as well. But, but so I've, I've been chasing Mike for probably about three years now to try and get him here. Um, this is their, their first time uh, at one of our services in this new building, which is just a, a real privilege. But Mike and Amy are uh, leading and growing a great church there. Mike is a, an incredible artist. Uh, and also, the stage is shaking right now. That's pretty good. I wonder if that's a train. Anyway, segue. And Pastor Mike, Mike is shaking the stage for us today. It's going to be good. Uh, but Mike is an incredible uh, author as well. And you'll notice out in our foyer afterwards, uh, Pastor Mike has, has produced a whole range of children's books or books for family teaching uh, incredible values. Uh, biblical values for our children uh, and their families, and as parents, uh, how we can manage through some of these years. So, so can I say, go and have a check out those afterwards. Mike will be there as well. But come on, let's put our hands together for Pastor Mike. Thank you. Fantastic. Thank you, Daryl and Denise. So good to be here in Pukekohe. Uh, special greetings from Whangarei. Uh, good to be here. Uh, my wife, Amy, she's preaching uh, at our Whangarei campuses, but uh, I get to be here finally after three years of been trying to get here. But uh, yeah, as, as you hear the message today, I, I don't believe that delays are God's denial. I think they're a setup. I think sometimes God brings us to the place we need to be, and you'll hear that in my message today. But uh, I want to share a message today called Where, Where Miracles Meet, Where Miracles Meet. This is a message for anybody that's waiting on a miracle. Or maybe you're in the middle of that process. Maybe you've received your miracle. But all of us at some stage in our life, we find ourselves waiting for something to change, waiting for something to shift. What happens when we're in that place of waiting? What do we do? What do we do with the feelings, the emotions? What do we do with everything that goes on as we are waiting for that to take place? What about the disappointment, the frustration, the anger? What happens when all of that is swirling around us, what do we do with that? We're going to look at two miracles this morning, and two miracles that saw two people collide and connect, their miracles colliding together. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 8, uh, verses 40 through to 56. It says, everyone had been waiting for Jesus. Don't you feel that sometimes, waiting for Jesus? And when he came back, a crowd was there to welcome him. Just then the man in charge of the synagogue came and knelt down in front of Jesus his name was Jairus, and he begged Jesus to come to his home because his 12-year-old child was dying. She was his only daughter. While Jesus was on his way, people were crowding all around him. In the crowd was a woman who had been bleeding for 12 years. She had spent everything she had on doctors, and none of them could make her well. As soon as she came up behind Jesus and barely touched his clothes, her bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. While everyone was denying it, Peter said, Master, people are crowding all around and pushing you from every side. It would have been like, well, of course people are touching you. But Jesus answered, someone touch me because I felt power going out from me. The woman knew that she could not hide. So she came trembling and knelt down in front of Jesus. She told everyone why she had touched him, that she'd been healed at once. Jesus said to the woman, you are now well because of your faith. May God give you peace. While Jesus was speaking, someone came from Jairus' home and said, Your daughter has died. Why bother the teacher anymore? When Jesus heard this, he told Jairus, Don't worry, have faith, and your daughter will get well. Jesus went into the house, but he did not let anyone else go with him except Peter, John, James, and the girl's father and mother. Everyone was crying and weeping for the girl, but Jesus said, The child isn't dead. She is just asleep. 
The people laughed at him because they knew she was dead. Jesus took hold of the girl's hand and said, child, get up. She came back to life and got right up. Jesus told them to give her something to eat. Real practical, right? Jesus is a practical. Her parents were surprised, but Jesus ordered them not to tell anyone what had happened. Would you pray with me this morning as we unpack the scripture together? Heavenly Father, we thank you that your word is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. Thank you that as, Lord, you shine light on the scripture. Lord, would you speak to us, Lord, about our waiting. Speak to us about the miracle that we're believing for. Father, I pray today that we would realize that, Lord, we are all a part of what you were doing, working within a community of people. Lord, we pray for your blessing. Lord, that we would hear your voice speak to us as individuals today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have you ever heard or used the phrase before, children should be seen and not heard? How many parents, we go in the place, any parents? How many people realize that when you can't hear your child, it's not silence is golden, but it's silence is suspicious, right? Okay, the amount of times you go, I can't hear them, and you go looking and you wonder what's going on, and then you find out to your shock and horror that something has happened. One of our, one of our, our, our best achievements uh, from our unnamed oldest child, um, she managed to empty the, the contents of her entire nappy as a two-year-old all over a glory box that Amy had been given for her 21st birthday. Like, like, like completely smeared. It was like painting, painting with brown. And it was, it was quite an achievement. We, we managed to clean it up. We sorted it out. And uh, guess who's going to be getting a family heirloom at their 21st birthday with a story to tell as well. So. <laughs> but you know, in this, in this passage, it lines up with the fact that when Jesus came into the situation, it wasn't just children that shouldn't be seen. There was a belief that women and children shouldn't be seen. We hear a story today about a woman and a child that needed a miracle to take place in their lives. And Jesus was at just the right time there for both of them. I saw one study that only half of the women in the Bible were even named, and that together they spoke a grand total of 14,056 words. That's about the amount of words that my daughter Rosie uses between 8.30 and 9 o'clock at night when I'm just trying to get her to bed, right? But women were not given the value that they should in Jesus' time. In fact, some men even used to pray, God, I'm so thankful that I'm not a woman. Women weren't allowed in the temple beyond the, temple, the, the court of women. They weren't even allowed to touch the Scripture just in case they defile the Scripture. Women and children were not valued, not at all. Yet Jesus, uh, he was woke in the truest sense. If you look at the word woke, it's actually to tackle a societal injustice, discrimination. So he was woke in the truest sense, that he went after the things that really mattered, and he, he was about to go after something in this moment that the nation of Israel needed to see and needed to understand. See, when the disciples shooed the children away as they were coming to hang out with Jesus, the disciples were like, no, no, the master is busy. Leave him alone. Jesus says, no, let the children come to me because they understand the kingdom. The kingdom of God belongs to them. In fact, he said, you must become like a child, not like an adult, if you want to enter the kingdom of God. You need to understand. You need to think. You need to have a trust, a faith in me like a child does in their father. 
Jesus measured men, women, and children by the same standards, the inequalities of character, not age, not gender, not nationality. And here we have a woman and a child in need of a miracle while the nation watched on in interest. Now, the first thing we notice when we look at this passage is that Jesus is always on time for his miracles. Notice my phrasing, his miracle. It's really important we understand this because if I think it's my miracle, then I'm going to be concerned about the timing. I'm going to be concerned whether or not it's happened. I'm going to find myself getting frustrated and upset if things haven't happened the way I want it to happen. But if it's his miracle, then I can also trust his timing, which means that I can also trust the delays. If God's promised, he's given me a scripture, he's given me something that I know it's coming, I can trust that it hasn't arrived yet because it's not in God's timing. Can I put my hope and trust in the process? Because that means the pain, the disappointment, the frustration, I can handle that as well. I can take that as I'm processing this miracle not happening the way I hoped it would. We notice Jesus never seemed to be in a hurry. In fact, when Lazarus, one of his dear friends, was sick, message was sent to Jesus, he, he's sick, he might die. Jesus did nothing about it. In fact, it says he stayed on another few days. Lazarus dies. Jesus finally turns up. He's been dead in the tomb for three days. And they're like, if you'd, if you'd arrived earlier, Jesus, he would still be alive. But Jesus needed Lazarus to be dead. Not just dead, but legal dead. Like dead, dead. Behold, he stinketh dead. Because by law, someone wasn't proclaimed dead until after three days. That's why Jesus rose three days after, just in case he had fainted, right? They had to prove after three days that he was no longer alive. And so, so Jesus used the miracle of Lazarus to speak of what was still to come. Jesus was never bound by man's schedule. Anyone put a time frame on God? God, I'll follow you if. We put, put, put a disclaimer on it. Jesus, it would be really good if this miracle could come through before, before then. We put a time frame on it, and we ask God to fit in with our plans and our schedule. But what if we could trust that it's in His timing? Chances are many of us have waited and are waiting for a miracle. But what we see in the story is that both miracles take place exactly when Jesus intended them to happen, within moments of each other. And yet the miracles took 12 years to connect. Now, it's interesting when you look at this passage, the number 12 is mentioned twice. Now, you can look at that and go, well, it just seems insignificant, but there's nothing insignificant about what's recorded. All the finer details of the word are there for a reason. Now, the number 12 speaks of completeness. It speaks of organizational, like the, the nation of Israel being established. The, the 12 tribes of Israel, the 12 disciples, there was something about the significance of the number 12. And so this woman, when you think about it, when she started this issue, when this issue of blood started in her life, that young child was just being born in that year. 12 years later, she is still struggling with this issue. This girl probably had no idea that she was about to die. It doesn't seem like it was a lifetime of illness. It kind of felt like she got sick and and all of a sudden she died. A 12-year gap. Why would 
Jesus allow a 12-year gap for this miracle to take place? Well, if 12 signifies completeness of government, is it possible that Jesus was trying to say that unto women and children and men alike are given the same value, this nation of Israel will never be complete? 12 years to proclaim something that the value of a man, woman, and child is the same. How incredible that God would use that right in front of a nation that is watching on with interest, that the timing of the miracle was absolutely perfect. I remember when Amy and I, we were struggling to have kids. We, we desired to have kids. We were working as kids pastors at Botany at the time. We thought we'd have kids like everybody else did. It didn't happen in the way we thought. We were struggling. We were feeling the pain of it, looking after kids, but didn't have kids of our own. Really tough season for us. And we found ourselves wrestling with it, struggling with it. And I came to this point where I, I finally, before God, like tears, like streaming down my face, like spending carpet time with God, just crying, saying, God, if, if we never have kids, we'll serve you anyway. We'll follow you. We'll give our lives to you and serving you. You know what happened next? Nothing. You think at that point of surrender, the miracle would come, right? You think at that point where you finally give it over to God, God says, right, thank you, now I'll deliver your miracle. No, it wasn't ready yet. It wasn't ready yet, but my heart changed in that moment. And this is a word for somebody today, I believe. Some of you in the stuck, you're in that place of being stuck, where you're hoping, believing, praying for a miracle, and because you're in that place of pain and disappointment, which is real, you don't, you don't dismiss that, it's a real feeling. But because you're stuck in that place, you've actually closed other people out. You've actually pulled back on relationships. And God's saying, would you trust again? Would you keep moving? Would you, would you keep stepping forward because it's coming? Or maybe your miracle might look different to the way you're asking for it to be. And this is hard. But sometimes God takes us on a journey for the sake of somebody else. And we'll see that towards the end of my message. But we made a decision in our pain that we would praise through our pain. That, that we would say, you know what, God, it hurts, but we're going to be in the middle of it. We're going to embrace it, count it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I memorized that scripture, chucked it down inside my spirit and hated it and loved it at the same time. Count it pure joy. Why? Because it creates perseverance and perseverance creates character. And we grew so much. You know the greatest trial? Amy preached her first message. You know what her trial was when she preached her first message? Was that I wouldn't let her buy her a pair of shoes. That was her trial. My trial was I didn't make a rep football team. That was my trial. And, and it was a trial. But, but you know what? It wasn't the making of me. It's the deep moments of pain. It's the valley moments. And I heard someone once say, there's a book written called Leaders with a Limp. Leading with a Limp. Never trust a man who, who doesn't have a limp. You know, we've got to wrestle with God through our pain. We've got to wrestle through our disappointment. We've got to go through those moments where it hurts so much. And then we say, but God, I trust you. I put my faith in you. In the middle of it, God, would you build character within me? So we started preaching about it. We kind of put ourselves out there. We were real vulnerable. A couple of people came up and put their arm around us. and, Hey, Mike, you're kind of oversharing. You're probably sharing a bit too much. I'm like, hey, this is us. This is who we've decided we're going to be. We're going to live our lives right out in front of people. 
Because you know what? If I feel that pain and, and I can get closer to God, maybe you will too. Maybe if I can get that breakthrough, maybe you're going to get your breakthrough as well. Second thing we see in this passage can almost seem a contradiction to what I've just shared, that the timing is in Jesus' hands. We also need to understand that our faith moves the hand of God. And when I say that sometimes we're waiting, I'm not talking about a sit back on the couch and eat your chips kind of waiting. I'm talking about a front foot waiting. I'm talking about where you're leaning into the possibilities. And it might, not be the, it might feel like you're not moving, but you're looking, you're watching, you're waiting. You're waiting. That's a closed door. Okay, but I'm still waiting. I'm still looking. I'm still, still seeing what God is doing. And then it's time. You know it's time to step. You don't miss a moment because you're on the front foot ready for God to move or ready to take that next step. But sometimes God says, now move. Now move. Now step. Now press. Now fast. Now pray. Go to another level of depth of your discipleship. Step out in faith. Step out into the water And you watch, your feet won't sink because this is the time I'm asking you to step. Sometimes we wait, but sometimes we step. Did these women know each other? Probably not. But on that day, that woman, 12 years into her journey, says enough is enough. And she pressed in. She she just went after Jesus, realizing in doing that, she was breaking all protocol. Spent all of her money on the doctors trying to get well. Wouldn't happen. So she stepped out. She said, if I can just touch him, I will be healed. There was a faith within her. She pressed through, and Jesus loved it, and he healed her. Come on, for some of us, we're waiting, but others, we have to step. We actually have to step out in faith. What are you believing for? What is so painful right now? It hurts every time you think about it. Maybe God's saying it's time to step. Step back into relationships with others. You've closed yourself off. God's saying, come on, step again. There's somebody in your future that you need to connect with that you will miss if you don't get out of that place of pain, but actually put some praise up instead. See, when our faith and action moves the heart of God, we then carry with us a story, a testimony. I love this in verse 47. She told everyone why she had touched him and that she had been healed at once. She wasn't shy. She just went for it. It's like, yes. Come on, this is what happened. I believe that if I could touch Jesus, I'd get healed, and it did. Friends, when we get healed, when we get a miracle, don't keep it to ourselves. We've got to tell somebody. Revelation 12, 11, they overcame him. They overcame the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives so much as to shrink back from death. See, when we live our lives before people, when we live with a, even a vulnerability, an authenticity, a transparency, and we talk about the goodness of God, we also talk about the trials and the challenges. This isn't a rubber bottle kind of a genie kind of a God. This is a God that works in and through our trials and our pain, but He is always faithful. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me, just like Aaron's mullet will follow me all the days of my life. That's a good mullet. (laughs) How much faith do we need? Not as much as you think. See, sometimes there are some people that have a gift of faith that's like a bucket full of faith, right? You know some of those people. It's like everything. They're just like, yes, God can do that. And you might say, I've just got a little mustard seed faith. Jesus said, that's enough. But if the mustard seed stays in my hand, 
Only I can do something with it. <laughs> and I've got nothing. I, I can't do anything. I can't, I can't make a miracle happen. But if I take that faith as small as a mustard seed and I give that seed to God, say, God, I, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to have faith. I want to believe again. Would we give that mustard seed faith to God today? Say, God, I'm believing that you're going to break through. I'm going to believe for that miracle. Often it's the, the very little that we offer that's enough. While we're waiting for kids, we're working as kids pastors in botany, and um, a re- replenish was on uh, at a women's conference, and uh, the, the, the speaker said, those women that are believing for a, for a family haven't been able to have kids yet. Why don't you come forward? I want to pray for you. It was like, she was like the woman with the issue of blood. She said, I don't care what anybody thinks. She didn't just come to the, the, the front. She ran onto stage. Now, if you know Amy, she is a rule following. She doesn't break protocol. She broke all protocol, found herself weeping on the stage. Her faith moved the hand of God. In that moment, the woman prophesies over her, says, you're going to have kids, but it's not going to be the normal way. It definitely wasn't the normal way. Sometimes we wait, but sometimes we step, believing in faith. And lastly, as the team come, I want to tie this all together because we've got to understand that my miracle sometimes connects with yours. We, we are built for community. That's why gathering here on a Sunday is so important. That's why gathering in small groups really, really matters. Because we're not in isolation. We're not meant to do life by ourselves. We're meant to do it with others. And, and when we isolate ourselves from others, we, we miss out on what happens when we get together. There's something about the together in the miracle. Sometimes our miracles have to meet in the middle. We see this woman and a girl. Maybe they knew each other. Maybe they didn't. Maybe they bumped into each other in the marketplace. But their stories hadn't collided until this moment. Twelve years apart, their miracles come together to do something far greater than their own life could be. For God to be glorified, there had to be a wait. There had to be a meeting in the middle. For them, it was 12 years. But we see this right throughout Scripture. It's nice. We love the miracles. How many people like the instant miracles? It's like, God, I really need this. Bang, it happens. It's like, oh, there it is. Fantastic. Praise God. How many people like the, the, the delayed miracles? Yeah, no one, right? None of us like those ones. We want it now. Come on, we're that instant generation. We just want it now. Give it to me now. But God, so often as you read through Scripture, it was about delays. There were moments, 400 years between Malachi and Matthew. Hannah desiring a child Waiting, 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 crying out to God. God finally gives her Samuel. She dedicates to the Lord and he speaks into the nation. And then Mary, who's too young to have a child, Mary and Joseph, that that, that shouldn't have happened that way. And then you've got Elizabeth, who's too old to have a child. And God uses those two stories to collide so that John would heal it in Jesus. See, sometimes our miracles meet in the middle. My miracle might meet with yours. Do you know how many people we've connected with over the years through the pain 
the journey. Prayed for hundreds of people. Some have got their miracles. Some haven't. We're still praying and believing for them. Some, they didn't get it the way they thought. Some are now leading a different life. It's like, it's like the, the miracle they thought they were after, God has revealed that it actually looks different. I know others that have, have, have had the desire to have a child, but weren't able to, but now they foster. Now they care for others. God uses them to care for people that, that would have no one to care for them. What we didn't realize in our story, when the speaker said you'd have children but not, not the normal way, it wasn't normal. The speaker also said over, over Amy, but when you do have children, they'll bring life, hope, and breakthrough for others. Years later, our Rosie was born from an IVF cycle. Our only child, we thought that was it. Praise God, we're so thankful for Rosie. But then we tried again, we went back and uh, ours was an unexplained infertility. There was no reason why we shouldn't. I mean, everything seemed to be normal, but we just couldn't fall pregnant except through IVF. Then we had our second cycle. We went back and paid for a cycle and we had Josiah. And with Josiah's cycle, we also had three, uh, we call them our frozen chosen, our three embryos that we, we were going to put aside and, and we're going to go again. And as we're about to go and use one of these embryos again, we fell pregnant with Zoe with an unexplained. Well, it's not unexplained. We know what happened, but we just didn't expect it to happen that way. You know what I mean? So we found ourselves saying, well, what do we do? Because we knew that the three, that was us complete with Rosie, Josiah, and Zoe. Amy had gone through a pretty horrific pregnancy and insomnia, which had led to pretty significant mental health challenges. And I, I, I remember having... Luke's number on my phone about to call him saying oh, we can't pastor anymore we're, we're done I'll, I'll go be a kids, kids pastor we just can't take the weight of this anymore but Luke said you just, you just go up to Whangarei it was right in that transition period of us moving up to Whangarei so just go up there let Amy rest let her take her time let her, let her have this child and we'll work it all out what we didn't know is that as we were going through our journey Another family were also going through their journey. Another family that couldn't have kids. The only way that they could have kids is if somebody would help them. Now, I wrote a book called The Rose Princess and the Special Gift about a king who gave his daughter three gifts, three special gifts. He says, I want you to use them however you need. She ends up going and giving them away and blessing other people with the gifts that she had. I wrote that book three years before we had Josiah and our three special gifts. I wrote myself a prophetic book. <laughs> we're sitting in the counselor's office as I was saying, you seem so calm and peaceful about this decision to adopt your embryos out to this family. How is that? And in that moment, I went, I wrote myself a book that one day we would give three special gifts away to people that would need them more. And through God's grace and miracle, we now have a complicated yet wonderful family. Let's have a look. So there's Amy and I, Rosie beside Amy. That's our Josiah. Up in the top part of the tree is our Zoe, our Zoe Hope. And then we have Anna and Kyle. And our two adopted children are now our girls as well. What a crazy story probably about 12 years. It's not exactly 12. 
But our miracles collided like you wouldn't believe. Friends, I don't know where you're at with your miracle. I don't know what you're waiting for, but, but maybe your miracle might be needing to meet with somebody else. Today we're going to take communion. I really believe this is a special moment because maybe, just maybe, God wants to meet your miracle with somebody else's today. As we take communion this morning, would you take a moment to pray with someone? Maybe you've got to get up out of your seat and go find somebody. God's just putting somebody on your heart this morning. You've got to go pray with them. Speak life over them. Bless them. Prophesy over them. Come on. Let's believe that God is wanting to do something in this moment. If it's taken me three years to get here to preach this message, then maybe God just set that up too. That somebody's meeting somebody today. Someone's praying for somebody today. There's a miracle that might be happening in this moment. So as we take the bread, which represents Christ's body broken for us, it was broken so that our broken bodies, our broken lives could be healed. So today, would you receive the healing of God through communion? It represents His desire for our bodies to be healed. If you're believing for a miracle, why don't you tell that to the person that prays with you? Ask them to pray with you, pray for you. And then the blood, which, or the juice that represents Christ's blood that was shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. We don't deserve His grace, but His grace was given to us and poured out through His blood, through His death on the cross. May you be blessed today as you take communion and share with one another. Let me pray for you. And then why don't you take a moment to pray with somebody this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for this opportunity to gather, to pray, to encourage one another. God, I just speak life over every situation. I speak hope into every belief for a miracle. God, would you do what only you can do? Would you step in? Would you bring breakthrough? Lord, would you also give courage and, and patience, Lord, if the wait is still a little bit longer? Lord, we trust you that you are in this. Lord, may our hearts be filled with hope and joy and expectation for all that you're doing and all that you're still to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take communion together. Hallelujah. Why don't we just continue just for one more minute? Why don't you have just a moment taking the bread in your own time and your and that juice in your own time? of juice that symbolizes your, your blood that was poured out for the forgiveness of our sins, oh God. Lord Jesus, we remember you today for your grace, your mercy, and your goodness to us. Hallelujah. Just while every eye is closed and every head is still bowed, we never like to finish the service without giving people an opportunity to say yes to Jesus and Here's the thing, that, that God sent His one and only Son, Jesus, to, to this earth to, to die on a cross and, uh, for us. 
And you might say, well, well, Daryl, why did he do that? Well, he did that because he was the once and for all payment for a thing called sin that separates us from knowing God as our best friend. And Jesus, because of his great love for you and for me, he freely gave up his life. So you and I would be free, that we'd be forgiven, that we would be healed. And so right now, I'm just going to give a real quick opportunity this morning. If you're here today, you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your life to him, and right now, you're in your heart, you're feeling like you want to do that. I'm just going to pray a real simple prayer in a second there. I'd like to invite you to pray that prayer. Or maybe you're here today and you've you've really walked away from the Lord. That you've this is the first time in, in a long time since you've been into church and you know you've drifted and you're feeling like today, hey, I need to come back to God. So if that's you, um, I'd like to invite you to pray this prayer, just simply in your heart after me. Pray this, pray this prayer. Pray, dear God, today, I give you my life. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for paying the price for my sin, that you cleared my debt. Today I believe that you've given me freedom, freedom from my past, hope for today, and purpose for the future. So today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name. every eye still closed just for one more minute I'm not going to embarrass anybody here but we'd love to I'd love to know who I'm praying for right now because in a moment we're going to sing and, but I'd love to know who I'm praying for here in this final prayer before we sing before we move on if you just said yes to Jesus right now so I know I was looking around no one no I every head is bowed all I'm going to do is I'm going to count to three and on three uh, if you said yes to Jesus you really meant in your heart just slip your hand up out so I can see. We'd, we'd love to be able to pray with you and to include you in this final prayer. So if that's you today, you said yes to Jesus. On, on the count of three, lift your hand. One, two, three. Lift your hand now if you said yes to Jesus.